Our series title is The Church on Mission, and today's title is The Church on Mission Prays for the Persecuted Church. Okay, and I want you to see two things at work today. Number one, the church on mission prays for the persecuted church because persecution can be expected. Okay, number one, persecution can be expected. And number two, we do it because prayer works. Prayer works. You're going to see that in the story today. You know, a lot of times we believe when this happens, we pray because pray, prayer can, can help that situation. But then there's other times that we we experience something or something is going on and we don't think to pray. And is it because we believe maybe this, that this thing is so bad or such a big deal that God can't handle it? I don't know, but I want you to know prayer works. Either it works or it doesn't work. It doesn't really matter what the situation is. And so even when we're praying for something as serious as the persecuted church, I want you to know prayer works. So we don't give up. So turn to Acts 12 with me. We're going to be in verse 1. We'll read the first four verses. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some he belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, had his head cut off. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, okay, the Jewish leaders, okay, the ones that had crucified Jesus, okay, so when he saw that this killing of James pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, this was during the days of unleavened bread. That's the, the days following right after the Passover meal. So this is a Passover festival, days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison because they couldn't just kill him during the days of unleavened bread festival, okay? And when he had seized him, put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. That means these four squads, they would, four squads of soldiers, every four hours of the night, people watching him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So number one is this, persecution can be expected. Herod here is Herod Agrippa I. This would be Herod the Great's grandson, and he decides he's going to go find James and kill him by the sword, it says. James was the first apostle to be martyred. Remember, Stephen, he was not an apostle. Jesus actually predicted James and his brother John's suffering. Matthew uh, records this in his gospel, Matthew 20. You can read along with me. You, you'll know the story when I start to read it. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the mother of James and John, comes up to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something, and he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And James and John answered, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, in fact. But to sit at my right hand and left hand, that's not for mine to grant, but for those to whom has been prepared by my father. So a lot of time we read that story to talk about... Uh, you know, the arrogance of James and John to come ask Jesus if they can sit in heaven on the right hand and left hand. But I just want to point out to you that when he asked them, do you think you can handle what I'm about to handle? Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they said, yeah, we can do it. They were sold out followers of Jesus. And he said, well, you know, in fact, you will. Jesus was predicting that James and John would suffer for Christ's sake. And here we are in Acts chapter 12, and James is beheaded. 
And I want you to notice, too, that persecution is often political. Did you pick up on that? See, Herod, he, he, he wanted to keep the peace in his, in his area. And you got these Jewish leaders. This is their home, but, but you know, the Romans, they've kind of taken over everything. And so he wants to control them, but he also wants them to not just all jump up and rebel. And so when he saw that they were excited and approved of the murder of James, he was like, all right, you know, let's, let's get my popularity polls up or whatever. Go get that Peter guy too. We'll kill him. Make these guys happy. And so they arrest Peter. But since it's Passover time, that week of unleavened bread, it says they, they put him in prison with plans to kill him as soon as the festival was over. And even today around the world, you know, Christians are persecuted for political reasons, are they not? I believe it's probably going to begin happening more and more here in our country for political reasons. The, the, the fact is the world hates the gospel, and it will naturally try to stamp it out. The name of Jesus is offensive to those who don't believe in him. Jesus, in fact, in John 16 said this. He said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They, the people, will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Jesus is telling them, the world hates the gospel. The world doesn't know the Father. The world doesn't know me. When they act like this, they're acting because this is the way it's going to be. They're going to put you out of your churches, your synagogues, your house churches, whatever it is. They're going to kill you. He's specifically talking about people that were Jews who were thinking, we're actually act, acting as a service to God by killing these Jesus followers because they're not following the Old Testament law. He was predicting all this. So persecution can be expected, but I want you to know and this is the hard thing that was for me to hear that day when Will called. He's, it's, it's also a blessing to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. I mean, it's one thing to follow Jesus, y'all, and, and to be excited and wear a Christian T-shirt here in the United States of America. But to say that it is a blessing to receive persecution for the sake of Christ, I mean, you got you to gotta jump a few steps to get to that point in your heart, don't you? Because it's scary. Matthew chapter 5, what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The reason it's a blessing is because when we're persecuted, our reward for that is the kingdom of heaven. In his letter to the church of Philippi, Paul said this in Philippians 1, he says, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It has been granted to you. Granted. It's like a genie granting your wishes. It's been granted to you. You get to suffer. <laughs> it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Paul is clearly teaching that both believing and suffering are part of Christian living. We don't like to hear that sometimes. We like to say, let me, let me live and follow Jesus' way but also kind of stay out of the way and not make anybody angry by talking about Jesus too much because I don't want anybody to persecute me. Paul's readers in Philippi, they had probably already faced some persecution, and they may have been wondering, you know, why are we, why are we having to suffer if we're faithfully living for God? Paul makes it clear, godliness and suffering often go together. 
There are times when we suffer at the hands of the world. Check this out. Because we're following the will of God. In fact, it might be possible that you're not suffering persecution because you're not following the will of God. In 2 Timothy, Paul said this. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You might want to go to 2 Timothy 3 and underline the word all in your, in your Bible there. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, indeed, all, you might circle it, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So persecution can be expected, but it is a blessing. Paul would later note in Philippians in chapter 3 that for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now check this out. Listen, Philippians 3.10. Look at how Paul describes gaining Christ. Are you with me? He says, I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All the stuff I gave up, all the things I've lost that I may gain Christ, verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. When Paul talks about gaining Christ, that's how he describes it, y'all. Sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So Christ is worthy of whatever suffering a believer may face. Church on Mission prays for the persecuted church because persecution can be expected. Number two, because prayer works. Look at verse 5 in our, in our passage, Acts 12. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Underline earnest prayer. Circle it, color it, highlight it, whatever. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Usually they would just put one soldier there and, and, and shackle him. He put him between two shoulder, soldiers and shackled both hands to, to these two soldiers. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries, not centuries, sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Other guards outside the prison. They did not want him to get away. Why? Probably because back in Acts chapter 5, they put him in prison and the angel got him out that time pretty easy. So they said, we're going to double down on all the guarding. Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And a light shone in the cell. I'm a light sleeper. Light sleeper. I'm usually awake most of the night anyways because of my back these days. So I'm moving around. Anybody makes a noise. If there's a cricket outside, if a vent blows, I'm up. Peter is in prison, shackled to two soldiers. An angel shows up beside him. A light floods the thing, and he's still asleep. <laughs> he struck Peter on the side. Hey, wake up. Getting up quickly. The chain fell off his hands. The angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you. He didn't want Peter to go outside with no clothes on, no shoes, and follow me. So he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. 
but thought he was seeing a vision. Peter thought he was dreaming. When they had passed the first and second guard, who didn't even see what was going on somehow, by the way, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out, and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Now, check this out, verse 12. Remember that group of people that was in the, prayer, in the, in the room praying earnestly? When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark where many were gathered together and were praying. Underline that. Many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. This, this servant girl, so important she gets her name remembered, named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy. Why was she joyful? Because they were just in there praying for Peter's you know, rescue. She's so excited, she didn't even open the gate. She runs back in and reports that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. She kept insisting it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. They would believe sometimes that like an angel or a ghost could look like you and walk around. It's weird. It's his angel, they said. But Peter kept knocking. Hey, guys, I'm still standing out here. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent. They're so excited because they've been in there praying. And here they are. They're, they're yelling. They're excited. I can't believe it. He's like, shh. They don't know I'm out. <laughs> motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He described to them how the Lord had just answered their earnest prayer don't you get excited when the Lord answers your earnest prayer? Man. And he said, tell these things to James. That's not the dead James. This is James, Jesus' brother. He was like a leader in the church by this time. And to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. The church on mission prays for the persecuted church because prayer works. Three things. When you're praying for the persecuted church... Okay? Number one, pray earnestly. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. That's verse 5, by the way, if, you, if you've lost your place. Earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. When was the last time you earnestly prayed when was the last time we, as a church, earnestly prayed to God for someone else, for one of the saints, for one of those Christians in the world that's living in a very difficult place? Number two is this. Pray together. Verse 12. Many were gathered together and were praying. There was this one time we were in college trying to grow up in our relationship to the Lord you know, my brother was always the guy that spearheaded everything. We all had to either decide if we were going to follow him and, and act like we were, you know, gung-ho or, or choose not to and then get made fun of or, 
you know, them tell us that we're not taking our Christianity seriously. And my brother decides, you know, now remember, we're like, you know, 19 years old, okay? If you know any 19-year-olds, okay, he wanted to get up and we were going to meet and pray at 5 a.m., okay? I'd love to meet with you at 5 a.m. to pray these days, okay? But when I was 19, I think Ainsley, her, you know, her and her friends wake up on Saturday sometime between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. <laughs> when I was 19, I like to stay up all night and then, and then sleep all day, okay? And my brother wanted to get up and pray together. And I said, well, why don't we just, you know, get up when we wake up and pray and then call each other and say, hey, we prayed today said, no, because God does something when the church gets together to pray. We didn't really know how to say what, what God was doing. We were 19 years old. But let me tell you, when you pray for the persecuted church, when you pray in general, get together with the church and pray. We're not meant to live in some sort of isolated Christianity. We're supposed to be gathering together as the church, as a group of believers to pray and then watch what God does. So when you pray for the persecuted church, pray earnestly too, and pray together. Number three, rejoice when those prayers are answered. You got to kind of keep up with things. You know, some people love to write a journal. You know, this is what I prayed for on this day. That way when it comes and God has answered that prayer, you can look back and go, look, look, I prayed it back then. And now it happened today. You show that to people. Man, if anything like ups your faith level, it's when God answers those prayers that you've been praying earnestly together with the church over a long period of time, nothing more amazing than that. I love that. So just like Rhoda, who was so amazed in her joy, forgot to let the guy in, and just like the disciples when they came out and saw him, they were so excited he had to shush them because they were being so loud, rejoice and answer prayer. Church on mission prays for persecuted church because prayer works. And so we're going to do something a little bit differently today. Because prayer works, this morning we're going to pray as the church for the persecuted church. So get ready, because I'm going to need three of you to pray. So start praying right now. If God's saying, yeah, it's you, just get ready. Don't worry. I'm going to give you something very specific to pray. I'm going to get a microphone so everybody can hear you pray. We'll do it one at a time, so I only need one. It's white. Um... So I want to tell you about something. There's a group called Open Doors USA. Okay, is there something that says that up there? If you go to heritagecommunity.org slash pray, go to that site. Um, I made a page on the website that talks a little bit about Open Doors USA. There's a video that you can watch on our page on our website that describes who they are and what they do. And there's also a PDF that you can download, okay? Open Doors USA, they put out what they call their watch list every year. So you can download the 2020 watch list from Open Doors USA on our website at that site. This is what the, that's the uh, cover of the 2020 watch list there. Um, I put Indy up there. They're the number 10. So what they do is they rank the, the 50 most dangerous countries in the world to follow Jesus. Okay, and so you'll have the watch list. It'll include all 50 of those countries, number one through 50. Number one is the most dangerous. You see how it works. And they do that based on how much pressure is put on people and, and how much violence there is. And they somehow combine this into a formula, and they come up with 
who is the most dangerous, number one through 50, okay? And you can read about all of those countries individually and what's going on in those countries, okay? So this is a group called Open Doors USA, and that's what it looks like. And if you go to heritagecommunity.org slash pray, you can find all that information. Download the PDF copy of it. If you're a paper person, print it out, you know, whatever. Um, now, Open Doors also has an app. I meant to bring this with me. That's why I had it in here. Okay. Hey, can you get that video real close to this? We'll see. So there's an app. If you, if you just search your app store for Open Doors USA, they have an app called Pray. It's right there. Hey, can you put the video on the screen of this? I, I'm, I'm stretching y'all. I'm st stretching you today. Okay? okay? Anyways, I'm going to keep talking while they figure it out. Okay, so there I am. Okay. <laughs> that's terrible. Okay, that's the, the Pray app. Okay, so look. The great thing about the app is because you don't always in front of a computer to go to the website to see all their new information, but on the app, they keep it updated with things that are specific prayer requests, things that are going on in the world right now. Okay, so here's one. Persecution as the seed of revival in China. A little brother robbed of his sister in Nigeria. Coronavirus, a danger for believers in North Korea. Pastor abducted, 20 killed in Burkina Faso attack. New believers in Laos shunned by community. So there's about four or five different things going on. You can read about that. And then when you hit the pray button, you can actually say, hey, I prayed, okay? And somehow it'll tell you, you keep playing with it. If you have a teenager, have them help you. Um, <laughs> it'll tell you specific prayer requests that you can pray. You can even write out prayers that sends it to them so that... Uh, it, it's really good to see the church doing this together. Okay, so um, today, if, if Jesus has been speaking to you, by the way, telling you to pray, I need three of y'all to come up here real quick. I, I can call names, I guess, but um, we're going to pray for the persecuted church. So that the one, um, come on. Okay, there's one. There's one, two. I just need one more. Come on up here with me. Come on up here with me. One more. Okay, Caleb's coming. Okay, we got three. Okay, good. So um, one, of those, one of those highlights, headlines we just read about was in um, Burkina Faso in Africa. And so I'm going to read to you uh, the explanation of what happened there. Okay, here, just, just you be one, you be two, you be three. And we're going to have all three prayer requests on the screen here in just a second. Okay. I'm going to read to you the explanation, short explanation, and then we're going to put on the screen the three specific prayer requests. Um, and, and I would just ask that as we listen to this, that as a church, as these men right here pray individually, out loud, that we would earnestly pray together as a church for what's going on in this situation, okay? That we would pray believing... <coughs> that Jesus is more powerful than any government or organization who wants to harm his people. Number two, that we pray believing that uh, persecution is expected, but it's also a blessing, remembering that anything that we suffer is actually worth it for the sake of Christ. 
So here's, here's what that explanation says on what happened. On Sunday, attackers broke into a village in the northeast region of the country while Christians gathered for worship. According to the French radio outlet RFI, the attackers killed 20 people and injured 15 more. The extremists also abducted the pastor and then set the church building on fire. Several people are still missing. These attacks are horrendous, but the Christian community in Burkina Faso is persevering through Christ during extreme persecution. But they need the prayers of the global church to be strengthened and to know that they are not alone. So today we're going to pray. So these are the prayer requests. Number one is this. Please pray for God's grace on those who lost loved ones. Number two, ask God for a safe release of the pastor. And number three, pray for the Lord's protection and comfort for those injured in the attack. So those are the three prayer requests. So, so guys, if you thank you for being willing, we'll just, we'll just pray for those one at a time. And as a church, if we would just earnestly pray as they pray. Let's pray. Father, first of all, uh, thank you for who you are, uh, the love and mercy that you show us on a daily basis when we don't deserve it, and, and yet you still do, Father. And uh, so, God, thank you, first of all, for just you and uh, just how awesome you are, God. Lord, it's so hard uh, in any situation in life when you lose a family member understanding why that happened. Lord, it's hard to grasp the concept of why we lose people, Lord, and I can't even imagine it being in a situation where people are worshiping, and in that midst, lives are taken. Father, I can't even grasp that in my mind, Lord. <clears throat> but Father, you are still good. You are still awesome in any situation, Lord, and I, my prayer is that you will help those family members uh, see that, God, that they're still uh, that you're still there. Your power is still great. Your mercy is still amazing. And that, Father, I don't know how, but, but somehow blessings can come from this somehow, Lord. I know it's hard to see that, Lord, and it's hard to feel that when you're feeling so much pain of losing a person and a loved one so close, Father. But I pray that in their hearts and their minds that they can continue the work. Like our other brother did, Father, when, when things are going so bad and we're persecuted, Lord, I just pray that we can continue to, to seek after you and follow you even in the midst of the pain, Lord. So God, be with them. Help them uh, continue to see you and, 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 and go after you, Lord, even in this midst. And God, I pray that this makes them go even harder, be stronger Christians, stronger followers of you, Lord. And, and maybe there, a fire can grow in their hearts to say that we're going to continue doing your good work even in this midst of evil, Father. God, that's my prayers, that you would just help them grow stronger, Lord. In your son's name I pray. Jesus, we just come to you right now. I'm just so thankful for, for who you are and how you watch over us. And I just pray right now for, for safety over that pastor, Lord. I pray that you would safely release him. Lord, that you would send your angels, that you would send um, people, Lord, to, to be um, part of that release, Lord, whatever you have there for your plan. Um, God, I just pray that right now they would be rejoicing 
Um, Because you say to rejoice in suffering, Lord. So I pray right now that you would just encourage their hearts, Lord. That you would lift them up, that their heads wouldn't be down, but they would be encouraged in who you are. God, that you have a plan. God, that you are using them. Jesus, I just pray that you would... That you would just put a fire in their hearts, Jesus. That they would count everything as loss for, the, for your sake. That they would count all as loss to, to just keep running after you. That they wouldn't be, um, that this persecution wouldn't, um, wouldn't slow them down, Lord. But that would keep, um, that would just fuel their, their work. Jesus, so again, we just ask that you would send Send angels, send, do what you need to do for the release of that pastor, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. You're so, so good to us, Lord. And we just love you and we just thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray your ministering angels to surround those that are in need, that you would bring the community that's around them in the physical body to come and place their hands upon those that have been hurt, that have been cut, and are bleeding, and are hurting in their minds and in their spirits. And I pray, Father God, that you would bind the hindering of Satan in the name of Jesus, that his demonic influences will not hurt those that are around them, Father God. And I thank you, Father God, and I speak these things into the atmosphere by faith that these things will happen, that we will get testimonies, Father, in this church for those that have been healed, miraculously healed, not just by the doctors and the medicines, but just miraculously healed. And I, and I speak these things into the atmosphere and believe them by faith. And thank you, Lord, for that great and mighty testimony that will go forth, not just in this body, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, that other Christians will be lifted up from their bondage in the name of Jesus. Amen. wonderful. I guess my prayer for us as a church is that today it sparks something in us to, to not want to um, push these things, you know, to the side, to not want to think about them because we're not there or because we don't really even know how to think so much about them because of the tragedies that they are, but instead to understand that that Paul teaches that the church is one body and that when one part is suffering, the rest of it is hurting and suffering along with it. So how can we suffer along with them if we don't make ourselves aware of what's going on, earnestly spend time in prayer for them, okay? So thank you for, for doing that. Now that we've had um, time praying for these, these saints who are experiencing persecution, we're going to go into a time of sharing in communion, the Lord's Supper together as a church family and Remember the persecution that Jesus received on our behalf so that we could share in his glory.